0: Hello and welcome to Paper Boys, the podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. I'm your host, Charlie, here with my trusty co host, James. Hey there, Charlie. I feel like that was an overly radio intro right there. Yeah, man. Like, welcome,
1: welcome to Paper Boys, everyone. Prepping for your future as the NASA launch announcer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't jinx it. Sorry. Don't jinx did it. I, did I announce that too soon?
0: You did. You did. Yeah. Watch out, world. Yeah, this is all prep for that future career.
1: Well, hopefully, paper boys is good preparation for that career, Charlie. And I'm curious, what paper are you bringing in this week?
0: So I have a pretty like interesting archaeological paper here. Ooh! And I'll admit, I, I'm no archaeologist. I I'm, would have never guessed. I'm but a mere plasma physicist. And <laughs> uh, but this is pretty cool. It's about Stonehenge, actually. Oh, cool! And like how it was built, and uh, some cool records of kind of like their Dietary—it's almost like a dietary analysis. Interesting.
1: I always thought that Stonehenge would be the perfect place to have a picnic.
0: That's basically what this paper is. Really? No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> no. But the look on your face—that oh, excitement level was
1: worth the lie. If you're gonna have a picnic somewhere, it's like you know you probably want a grassy field, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a couple shady cool. rocks, a couple shady rocks, mm-hmm. and then like some connection to thirty thousand years of human history
0: yeah that's true i never thought about that but yeah stonehenge would make a great those are my three picnic requirements stonehenge is also a great place for like a game of ultimate frisbee or something oh tunnel shots
1: Uh uh-huh tunnel shots on tunnel shots just
0: do like a trick shot compilation yes put up on youtube
1: couple million views i take it this paper has nothing to do with the aerodynamics of frisbees being thrown through stonehenge right
0: no it's about pig fat pig fat yeah really
1: Mm mm-hmm and stonehenge
0: yeah wow this time i'm not lying (laughs) well
1: ladies and gentlemen i have not read this paper as you can tell so charlie i'll have a lot of questions for you on this episode good good i will have all the answers but probably not (laughs) for those of you just joining us for the first time charlie and i are both phd students we end up reading a ton of papers for our own research so paper boys is our way of sharing our love for diving into the science behind headline science news with all of you
0: that makes us the paper boys
1: Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Before we get started, uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you again for listening. Um, if you're not already, please do follow us on social media. Our handle is at PaperboysPod. You can find us on Instagram, find some cool weekly photos and updates, um, as well as Twitter. Pretty active on Twitter too, tweeting cool science news as well as new content. So if you enjoy this, uh, we'd really appreciate it. If you tell a friend, Hit us up with any pa- paper recommendations or questions. We love interacting with fans, so
0: definitely reach out. Tell scientists. Our last episode, we got feedback on Twitter from the authors of that paper. That was one of the coolest things ever. That is like one of the most yeah gratifying paper boys experiences. Yeah, to actually interact. And I mean,
1: you know, some of these papers are really hard and we're like, well, I think I got the science from reading the paper, but these papers are so dense. It's like,
0: yeah. It's, it's, it's also like nerve wracking being a scientist and knowing how harsh people can take it when you like misrepresent their work. Yeah. And how like, you know, you, when people talk about your work and they don't understand it at all, you, you kind of like sit there in the lab and roll your eyes with your lab mates at like, Oh, these, these friggin jokes over here. <laughs> so to
1: hear I'm that, not like, I'm going to read one of your papers. <laughs>
0: yeah, No, nah, you know what I mean? though. No, like, I'm just kidding. Not, not that bad. But to hear, you know, I feel like if we did a bad job. We just wouldn't hear from people, you know? Yeah. They would just silently roll their eyes. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was very satisfying. If we do do a bad job, though, uh, tell <laughs> us. Please tell us. Definitely tell Silence us. Silence is the worst. I'll throw in a quick plug here for our Patreon. Patreon.com slash PaperboysPod. Uh, that's another place we've been getting a lot of really cool interaction from our patrons there. And uh, it's actually really been growing. So go check it out. People are liking the bonus episode single episode so far but there's another one coming out next week so if you hop on the train now then uh you can take advantage of that and it's only pi dollars for just getting the bonus episodes there's lots more benefits if you go up to the higher levels but three dollars and 14 cents is it's all we ask
1: oh yes we also are coming up with some cool paper boys merch so check it out you get a free sticker as a patreon subscriber for that the $5 dollars amount that so is true
0: they're very high quality stickers too
1: they actually are we have them on our water bottles yes so.
0: Well with that, Charlie, let's dive into some pig fat at Stonehenge. Let's. Yes, actually I've brought into the studio for you here today, a jar of pig fat. This is a full sensory experience. Please dunk your hand, James. There's no I want you to I fat. want you to tell the audience is there anything in this jar of pig fat here? <laughs> well, Charlie, there's a lot of pig fat. <laughs> yes, and there's no trickery. No, uh so we're doing some pig fat uh Stonehenge stuff future as a magician (laughs) well if i don't uh that'll be my backup if i'm not the rocket launch announcer
1: you gotta have a backup plan yeah yeah one person (laughs) that really does that
0: you know i'm really looking for a steady career as a magician if this (laughs) other thing doesn't work out so yeah i i found these uh some news articles i came across and i was like i gotta do this for an episode so science magazine headline was ancient people may have used pig fat to build stonehenge interesting Science Alert says pig fat may have played surprising role in the creation of Stonehenge, Stonehenge, study suggests. I'm surprised. And then this one was my personal favorite. Stonehenge mystery finally solved. Do you want to know why that was my favorite? Why is that? Because I clicked on that link and it crashed my computer. Dude, you have
1: a virus right now.
0: I'm not kidding. I I had to hard reboot my computer and it's been acting very weird ever since. Yeah. So um, screw you, WND.com for your absolute malware of a site. What is WND.com? I'm pretty sure it's a fake website. I got completely duped. I clicked like normally you think of clickbait as like we're trying to get revenue. This was like clickbait. We're gonna steal your hard drive. It's like a fake news it's literally a fake news website in order to give you a virus.
1: Also, we'll get into that lines later.
0: Okay. Okay. Well
1: (laughs) Okay. So I'm getting the sense there's a mystery about Stonehenge. We're not sure how it was created, right?
0: Yeah, so uh, everyone knows, I think, what Stonehenge is, but just in case you don't know what Stonehenge is, it's this very cool archaeological site in uh, Britain. Basically, it's like these giant stones that have been stacked up in this like really cool way, and I guess they line up with the orientation of the sun like at certain times of years. I don't know. It's just got all this cool like connection to astronomy and to nature. Yeah. But it's like just out in the middle of this field, and these are massive stones. How old is it? So Stonehenge was constructed somewhere between, it was like somewhere between like 3,000 and 2,000 BC.
1: Whoa. Yeah. So like so, pyramids level.
0: Yeah. Like four or 5,000 years ago. Okay. And I think older. it took a while to build. I'm I'm not sure if they know exactly how long it took to construct, but.
1: Okay. So old stones, middle of the field, it seems strange that there are big stones in the middle of a field. Yeah.
0: And stones doesn't really do it justice, The like the biggest ones are. So like like you know a good a good amount of them are ten feet tall, and they weigh between like a thousand and two thousand kilograms. That's pretty heavy. That's very heavy. But yeah. then there are there are some that come from a different site that are twenty like they're twenty six feet tall, and they weigh thirty thousand kilograms. Whoa! That's and crazy. that's like a like single rock and right? they're stacked. Yeah, that's nuts. So you think about people four thousand years ago, and and by the way. Those stones came from a site that was 30 kilometers away. What? So like these people, 4,000 years ago, they were somehow bringing these massive rocks, like rocks that we'd have a hard time moving today. They just throw it in the back of the Subaru. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what they did. Jesus. Um, so it's an incredibly impressive feat. And then the, the smaller stones, quote unquote smaller, the ones that weighed 2,000 kilograms, those came from over 140 kilometers away. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, they're like bringing these things from. Uh, there were these two like quarries, I guess, that were you know about thirty kilometers and about one hundred forty kilometers away, and they're bringing these massive stones like, to this one site for some reason.
1: Hey, Chuck, you, you grab your stone, I'll bring mine. Let's go <laughs> yeah. meet up at Stonehenge. <laughs> you grab your Outback, I'll grab my Impreza. Well, <laughs> do you think they called it Stonehenge
0: before there were stones there? I or was it just henge? <laughs> well, the the, the language. <laughs> Oh, that Stonehenge is in. It probably didn't exist. I mean, at, rough translation. Rough translation. They probably called it like Uga Booga. And then they added the stones and they called it Stone Uga Booga. <laughs> Stone <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not historical fact. In case. Uh, no, you can you quote understand. me on that.
0: I'm pretty sure that's right. Okay. Anyway, so there's some background on Stonehenge.
1: Whoa. I'm actually just looking at an old picture from 1906. And it's like Stonehenge. They just had roads going by Stonehenge.
0: Yeah. Actually, like in this paper, they kind of talk about how There were there are some sites like that they wanted to analyze that like a highway has just been built over now. Really? Yeah, because Stonehenge is like it's a a thing. But what this paper is actually really looking at is this evidence from this village called Durrington Walls. Mm -hmm. And it's about two miles northeast of the actual Stonehenge site. And it's like this village that I guess was uh, discovered, you know, semi recently, like in the 1800s. Very recently, they started doing these like extensive archaeological digs, and they found like evidence of about like seven houses or something. But, but they think that there were a thousand houses in this village when it was like real, and that four thousand people lived there. That's insane! Four thousand people
1: for a time back then.
0: Yeah, and they think that this village like basically existed like to build Stonehenge, or at least that the people who lived here built Stonehenge. Okay. Yeah, but interestingly, like people came from all over. Sorry, I'm like jumping all around just because there's so many cool little facts I learned in this paper. You know, this village, Durrington Walls, was what they think is like the community responsible for Stonehenge. Okay, but that's not to say that there weren't other people involved. They found like in these other papers that are referenced, there were like buried remains that they like analyzed, kind of the genealogical history of, and they found that like some of these people came from outside of the British Isles really yeah like people i mean you'd have to travel by boat to get to the british isles and so like people literally came from like around the world to help build stonehenge isn't that crazy that is crazy yeah it's like hard to wrap your mind
1: around it really is yeah You're, like people people being people for like 5000 years which
0: yeah makes sense but it's like weird to think about it is weird to think about but imagine like you know you live in in like northern africa and then you hear of this land where they're building a rock structure. And you're like, wow, that's the promised land. I'm going to engage in a lifelong journey to get there and help them do that and then die there. Honey,
1: honey, I just got this brochure about
0: Stonehenge. <laughs> I think it could be. The- it's this nice retirement community on the British Isles. It's a place where we could raise our sheep, <laughs> move some rocks. <laughs> yeah, although really they'd be raising pigs. Which brings us into which the brings paper. brings us to the, to the paper, yeah. Yeah,
1: you did not mention sheep. Okay.
0: I mean, they probably had sheep too. But pigs is kind of what this paper is all about, which is cool. Okay. Yeah, so what is the tie-in with pigs to Stonehenge? So, the, is the... And is the mystery solved? I mean, not really. I mean, the mystery is already solved. The mystery is like, oh, how did they do this? But, I mean, it's not that much of a mystery. Like, we already know that they were capable of doing this. They were? Yeah, I mean, like, you I mean, know they how they built the pyramids, like how they do it just rolling uh, it on a log yeah well so okay so
1: i haven't <laughs> Someone even didn't said what
0: yeah so that, the way that it that, that it's done they think is basically yeah like if you get a big rock you can move it by you put it on like another big piece of wood and then you put that wood on top of a bunch of logs and then you just roll that across the logs and like as you're pushing it forward you know it'll it'll move off of some logs and then you can take those out and put them up on the front of the line okay and just make like a giant conveyor belt you know, super easy. Yeah, so easy. <laughs> so where this paper comes in, and I'm now realizing we're very far in, and I haven't even said the title. <laughs> what, well, yeah. Where, the, where does the paper come in, and then what's the actual title? So the paper is called Building Stonehenge? An Alternative Interpretation of Lipid Residues in Neolithic Grooved Ware from Durrington Walls. There's kind of a okay. lot to unpack there. Uh, it's from the journal Antiquity. And it was published on July fifteenth, two thousand nineteen. Okay, so relatively recent. Yeah, do you want to break down the title for us? Yeah, so so I already mentioned what Durrington Walls is. That's the village that was maybe responsible for building Stonehenge. And there's it's it's an alternative interpretation of lipid residues in Neolithic grooved ware. So grooved ware is just like pottery, but it's okay. like they like put grooves in it for whatever reason. And then uh, Neolithic is just the time period that was you know four thousand years ago. And kind of like the, the central focus of this paper is the lipid residues. So lipid, lipid that's residue. just fats. Okay. And in, these, in this pottery that they found in the Durrington Walls village, this, I guess this is a pretty common technique in, ar- in archaeology, they can analyze these lipid residues, which give you an indication of what that pottery was used for. Oh,
1: cool. So it's like even after all this time, there's still some residue of whatever the pottery was
0: containing. Yeah. I mean, and it's literally, it's like, it's animal fats. And you wow. can tell which animals it was. And so that can tell you either like what kind of things they were eating or maybe even what their economy was like. Like if it was a lot of bovine lipids, then that means they had a very cattle like pasture based economy. And like, I don't know, there's just a lot of stuff that you can kind of infer from this, this lipid residue analysis. I'd be scared if anybody analyzed the lipid residue
1: of my, all of my pottery. <laughs> They'd be like, this guy eats a lot of cereal. Yeah. A lot of easy Mac. A lot of easy a Mac. A lot of easy Mac. yep Trader Joe's spiced mangoes Ooh, man could they blame you though no Uh, even 4,000 years from now they won't be able to blame me
0: they'll yeah they'll have a Trader Joe's spiced mango based economy (laughs) in 4,000 years
1: I only hope that I can live that long (laughs) to see such a thing yeah okay so they're so
0: they're analyzing these lipid residues
1: I mean I'm surprised that there's even enough to analyze today 4,000 years like that's a that's a big time frame
0: but I know you'd kind of like I guess you would kind of think that these things might like biodegrade and obviously they do to an extent, but I think like, you know, if you use it enough, some of this stuff gets kind of like, it's It's ceramic, you know, so it'll almost get like baked
1: in, you know? Wow. Okay. Interesting. Well, so like, how did they have the idea to look at this? What prompted them? What's the connection between like this
0: pottery and then Stonehenge? Yeah. So... I mean, obviously this Durrington Walls pottery has been like the subject of a lot of study because it's a really good collection and it's like an area of great public interest. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the author here, Lisa Marie Shalito, she sort of talks about like some of the recent research that's been done on this pottery and how they've found all this residue of both uh, bovine, so like cattle, and then also pig fat in these pots. That were at the uh, Durrington Walls Village. And what that would suggest is that this community was like co- using these pots to cook pigs and cattle. Okay. But the pots are only a certain size. You obviously can't like make a pot that's the size of a cow. I mean you could but that would be terribly impractical. Yeah. So I guess like if you were going to cook stuff in them you would have to chop the meat up and like chop the bones up and stuff. So that they would actually fit in these pots and then you could put it over a fire oh okay that's interesting but the discrepancy that lisa marie shalito points out is that the 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 term that she uses is faunal assemblage like so fauna and assembly so like it's just literally like the uh like distribution of animals that they kind of find in this village yeah what they find is that there's a lot of like pig bones around and the pig bones are like intact and they're charred at the ends which which suggests that they've been spit roasted. Oh, like, okay. Like over or a fire or whatever. Right. Not in a pot. So why is there so much pig fat in the pot? Exactly. That's that's kind of the discrepancy that she points out is like, what's what's going on here? What what could these pots have been used for if they weren't cooking the pigs in them? I'm going to feel
1: the guess. It's not because they were worried about burning a hole in their trash can with leftover bacon
0: fat. No, and it wasn't. They're not worried about clogging their drains. By pouring that bacon fat down, I mean it's important to bring up as <laughs> it, it is
1: clogs a lot of drains, yeah, well, okay, so they're spit roasting the pigs that they
0: eat. Why is there fat in this pottery so she suggests, and there's kind of evidence in other societies for this too that like these pots could maybe have just been used to collect and process fat fat really valuable back then, isn't it? I mean it is now, but yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you can use it for, like, uh, making candles or what she really talks about in this paper is tallow. What's tallow? Never heard of that before. So, tallow is, like, uh, something that you get when you process the fat and you can use it for making, like, soap and candles, like I said, and, like, you know, as, like, a fuel for, for lamps or something like that. hmm So, uh, her suggestion is that they were collecting this tallow and using it as grease as like a lubricant for the stones yeah to Ah. move them so so this is like actually really cool she she mentions a team of engineers and stonemasons that like this was like recent like a couple years ago Uh huh. they went to this like park in london and they basically just got a bunch of volunteers to like try and move giant stones like the size of stonehenge stones really and to see like how i mean i think they were actually even smaller but like getting a rough like feel for what it would be like Mm -hmm. and just using the tools that would have been available at the time okay so they employed this technique that is it's like this sledge system sledge is the word that she uses it's basically what i described at the beginning where you have a bunch of logs down on the ground that are like rollers and then you're using like a big piece of wood that is a sled and then the rock goes on that sled
1: okay and then you just keep rolling it move the logs that have rolled out to the front
0: etc right so you're pushing the sled along those logs in this sledge system like they the thing that they tested in this park in london um, i guess like by far their most successful technique was they produced a grease that was very similar to tallow that would come from pig fat Mm -hmm. and uh and they poured that on the logs and pushed the sled and i guess that was like by far the best method that they found really so that actually helped yeah it made a big difference oh
1: okay so it's for greasing the logs not the rock itself
0: right so when okay. i saw these headlines and when i like first started reading this paper i thought that it was going to be like oh we took samples from the rocks and we found that they had just been like slathering these bad boys with pig fat i'm like and that's how they got things how done how dumb are you guys are you cavemen <laughs> yeah neolithic <laughs>
1: ancestors <You> neolithic troglodytes <laughs> <laughs> um, no that
0: sounds that smart i yeah, so the rocks were <laughs> like, uh, you know, the rocks, they uh, they left in pristine condition, you know. Okay. Nice and polished. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, it was the sled that they greased. The sled. Okay, so they're greasing the sled. The okay. other thing that I learned was that they used a sled at all, which actually kind of makes sense now that I think about it. Because, I mean, if you're going to be rolling this rock 140 kilometers over logs, you're guaranteed to do some damage either to the rock or to the logs. Yeah. If you don't have some sort of buffer between them. Yeah, that makes
1: sense. Yeah, you don't just, you don't just put the rock right on the logs, Charlie. <laughs>
0: yeah, duh. I mean, have that's, you a, ever, that's, that's what you, you never learn. never built in, a Neolithic rock yeah, structure. That's what you learn in Sledging 101.
1: Sledging 101. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. So easy a caveman could do it. <laughs> so
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I guess, I guess uh, not easy they at make all. It that sounds sound really hard. Easy. But yeah, so, I mean, this was also really cool. Like, you know, you talk about was this easy or not? In the experiments that they were doing, like this thing in the park in London, and I think that's not a that's not the only time that they've tried this. Mm-hmm. But basically, they've shown that if you have a thousand kilogram stone, it took about ten people to move it at a speed of one mile per hour. So you can kind of use that ahead. to scale it. Like if you had a ten thousand kilogram stone, you would need a hundred people to move it at a mile per hour.
1: But I mean, wow! You know, you mentioned initially some of the rocks came from like between 30 and 150 kilometers away yeah so you're like okay that's a lot maybe like up to 90 100 miles but it's like you get 100 people you give yourself a year or two or 10 starts to seem a lot more plausible
0: it actually yeah it makes you realize like you know what building stonehenge probably did not take all that long you got a lot of dead pigs to eat too like and also you have nothing but time you know it's not like these people have (laughs) to go to jobs like
1: yeah (laughs) uh hey erg uh sorry man (laughs) got my nine to five tomorrow yeah uh
0: yeah it's not hard like making a podcast is you know
1: no totally different it's It's way easier to make a podcast
0: we have to work around our schedules no but ten pound rock so i mean they kind of like they've kind of estimated this that uh for building stonehenge they would have had teams of between 100 and a thousand people moving like one stone And this group of people could be moving a stone for anywhere between a day and a month. Oh, wow. Okay. So So, a day to a month. So like if you like for some of these big stones, you may have had a group of a thousand people. It's like a it's like a, a khalasar from Game of Thrones, you know, like a group of a thousand people all like gathered around this one rock, like camping every night. And then like in the morning, like, all right time to move rock <laughs> like they get up and it's like sun's up and they're like all right rock time you know that sounds great push it all move day it till dusk. go move fishing it till dusk. yes come back camp around the rock move yeah the rock and so with that you've got this giant group of people that's moving yeah you need a bunch of followers and like people to feed them and to support this group of people doing a task and grease the logs and you need people to grease the logs and you need grease to grease the logs with yes and so What they were doing is like they're bringing along with them pigs and sometimes water buffalo too. Really? Yeah. So for a group of this size, over the course of a month, they could go through over a hundred pigs and 10 buffalo. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they just eat pigs like to fuel them along their way.
1: And so can they like find this through the remains that are around like animal
0: remains or just sort of like based on the size of the population? And I think that. If I understand correctly, I think that that was just something that they estimated, and I mean it's okay. something that you know has to have happened. They couldn't they couldn't push these rocks forever without eating, right? Presumably, so they know that it had to have happened. And I think that this is um, like this is what I mentioned before about how like oh now there's highways and there's all this stuff. I think that one of the laments of a lot of archaeologists is that they're they don't have great access to some of these like pathways between like the quarry and stonehenge or like between stonehenge and the village yeah and uh stuff like that where i think they could maybe learn a lot of information but that's what the author says at the end of the paper you know she proposes this hypothesis and then she kind of almost just leaves it at that because you know it's really hard to like gather very compelling evidence for that it's more like here's a theory Mm -hmm. and then she says one thing that can be looked at to confirm this would be if we found pig bones along those routes. oh cool yeah. okay yeah so that's a great question
1: nice i like that i mean it's like you know pitch the hypothesis good future
0: work yes exactly so on the same note of like you know all these people you know moving this stone and like everyone's got a job i, I just don't know why it's like such a funny image to me like this giant group of people like their their whole purpose is like moving a rock it is, yeah. I mean, it's like, how many people are in your department?
1: Yeah, like 100. And you're like, it feels like a victory when you get like two people to collaborate and then yeah. be like, all right, guys, come together. We're not going to collaborate on this next paper or like, you know, this next plasma experiment. We got this great idea. We're going to move a rock. And then someone's like, how big is the rock? And be like, 10,000 pounds. And be like, well, how far do we have to move it? And be like, 100 <laughs> miles. And
0: they're like, No, they're all like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I bet that someone, I bet like one person had to work really hard to convince like the immediate village around him, yeah, and then it just became this like viral thing. Also, if you study
1: archaeology, I'm so sorry for how.
0: (laughs) No, they probably make these same these same you know fun little
1: like erg like hey erg how's it (laughs) booga (laughs)
0: booga. No, but uh, but you're right. And what's funny is like you know I'm sitting here laughing at the image of it, but what they did moving this rock had a greater impact on the world than any work that you or i will ever do
1: their yeah their work is way more famous than anything
0: i'll ever put out way more famous and like you know not even in like a self-defeating way it's like it's just the fact right it's like they they did something i i think it's you know not to now dive back into space stuff like we always do but i think it's probably what motivates us to do space research it's like like uh i was watching that voyager documentary such a good documentary oh my god everyone needs to go look this up it's on netflix yeah it's about voyager the satellite that is now both satellites that are now outside the solar system kind of like the modern stonehenge it is that's that's kind of what i'm thinking is like it's something that you worked on that is like a as permanent a fixture as you can make it you know that that will be out in space forever and we will always know that it's out there you know yeah and
1: honestly it's like if you look back on human history and you think about like the incredible human achievements like walking on the moon is big, mm-hmm. flight things like that, but like it like two thousand years do you think someone's gonna look back and like there'll be statues of like you know Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook all around no, they won't no know who the Wright brothers are either I mean it's a huge achievement still obviously but like but like we don't know who invented the boat no, we just know that the boat is important, you know, yeah, true I mean even the rocket. People, like some people know, right? But like, the farthest man-made object ever.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Do you think people will still be talking about that? I think, Voyager. I think what's the first what's, planets of the, the first pictures of the solar system. Yeah, that's yeah. like huge. I think I think it will. Yeah, that'll be something that maybe hopefully stands the test of time. At, at the very least, people will know Neil Armstrong's name. Neil Armstrong in, in a thousand years. But even if you don't know the name, like, could you imagine like having contributed to
1: Voyager? The sense of satisfaction you'd have every day of your life.
0: Yeah. Well, and so that's what I'm saying about this Stonehenge thing. Yeah. Is it like, I mean, we say like, oh, they built it for ceremonial purposes and yada, yada. But they also like, I mean, they understand rocks. Like they know that that's going to last way past their own lifetimes. And you have to imagine that.
1: got staying power. It's,
0: right. It's the same thing driving them that's driving us. Like I want to do something that will last beyond my life. Like give you, it gives you a, a sense of immortality. Yeah. And they did it and they Empire, freaking achieved like a bigger sense of purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's cool. Re- I, I'm with you. The reason I went on that whole side tangent was, um, you know, you think about this horde of people that's sort of following along. They all have a job. The author of this paper references there's like a painting from this village in the Middle East called El Bershe. That's like another one of these sort of Neolithic era like settlements. Mm-hmm. And there's a painting showing them moving this giant um, like statue or something. When's the painting from? That's a good question. Because she didn't specifically cite the exact painting, so I couldn't oh. find it. Okay. But I'm, I'm just assuming it's from the same time period, because it's in a section where she's talking about how there's precedence for people of this time being able to do similar feats. Okay. But she says, in this painting, there is a person at the front of the sledge pouring a liquid out of a jar onto the logs. Really? Yeah. Wow. And so she's like, that was probably Greece. Or if not, it was water, but still for the same purpose of, like, as a lubricant. Wait, so is this, like, a Neolithic
1: painting or, like, a Renaissance painting of people imagining, like, oh, this is what it was probably like?
0: No, this is, like, a painting from a contemporary painting. Like, you know, something you'd find, like, on an ancient Egyptian, like, jar. You know, that shows, like... Oh, okay. Neolithic contemporary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. No, no, not, like... Yeah, like, no... (laughs) Andy uh, Warhol. Henry (laughs) Matisse painted (laughs) El Bersha jar (laughs) pouring... Okay. Cool. Wow. That's... I had no idea about that. <laughs> also, I think I just said Henry Matisse is definitely a French guy. Henry, yeah. Henri. Henri. Hey, I'm a scientist, not an artist. What do you want from <laughs> me?
1: No one's... No one's going to confuse you with an artist. <laughs> oh, thanks, James. Well, that's really cool. I obviously wasn't up to date on the mysteries of Stonehenge. I mean, I had some idea. I'd heard, like, the ideas for, like, moving big like, blocks for the pyramids and stuff, but it's cool to actually see this, like it's pretty like well-known and like they have an idea of the time frame and the number of people. Like it's really interesting. Were there any other little gems in the paper or things that you came across in your research
0: breaking this down? I mean, that's most of it, but like sort of in the end of the paper, she dropped a couple little, little gems that I enjoyed. Ooh. Um. Oh, one, of, one of these, I kind of forgot to mention this like during the main body of this, but she kind of presents like a, a little bit of further evidence for this is that when they've, f- find these pieces of ceramic in domestic sites so just like around town mm-hmm. uh, the quantity of pig fat is actually pretty low like it's only about three percent of the lipids they find mm-hmm. but the ones that they've found in like ceremonial sites the pig fat quantity is like 40 percent
1: whoa okay and so
0: these ceremonial sites is where a lot of this like construction and moving of large objects is going on and so that's just kind of like another little piece of like hey there's a correlation here, you know. There's a lot more pig fat when they're doing this ceremonial activity than there is when they're just at home. So it's it's probably not just food that's contributing to the prevalence of pig fat here. Okay, you know, a lot of pigs are going down. Yeah, and I think in the ones where they're pretty sure that they're for food processing, they find mostly bovine lipids. So like, they had a mostly cattle-based you know diet, and the oh, pigs were like kind of around okay. for this secondary purpose. Okay. But so that's kind of how she wraps this paper up is saying like hey, this is just a hypothesis. I think it's a pretty compelling one. I would like it if people could also look at, into it. But she also says that like the assumptions that go into your analysis end up really driving kind of what what you conclude. She kind of she's not like taking a shot at archaeology, but she's kind of like she referenced her own paper that is about like how to kind of distance yourself from like your personal bias. And uh, so it seems like that's kind of like like a secondary goal here. Is like hey let's think outside the box a little bit. It, yeah. It like I know we're looking at them. And we're just thinking of what kind of foods they might be eating. And what their economy was like. Therefore we're going to be drawn to saying. If there's pig fat it was probably just a source of food. Um, but she says. I'll just quote her. This is actually the last two lines of the paper. She says despite being considered a very processual branch of archaeological science the interpretation of lipid residues is very much influenced by the assumptions of the analyst this highlights the necessity of multi-proxy approaches to archaeological questions and the importance of reflecting on our assumptions during the interpretation of scientific data and that was the end of the boom
1: yeah wow i kind of like that that's like textbook what you want to go for in your conclusion you know like you learn in like grade school where it's like tie it to something bigger and you're like yeah. Wow. That's like all of science.
0: Yeah. It's like the like absolutely nailed it. You know, great science version of like when a high schooler is like in today's modern society, we like, you <laughs> know, like every high school paper starts that way. Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I mean, I really like that, though. I feel like we talked about that in the repeatability episode. Yeah. Yeah. Feynman's uh, commencement speech. Right. The whole idea of doing good science and being almost being
0: your biggest critic when you're putting forth these ideas. yes so. you should only be fighting on behalf of like the goodness of the science. Yes. Not on like whatever theory you need to try and, you know, sell yeah. someone on like not getting yourself tenure. <laughs> yeah. Well, sadly that's I'm sure that's, that's a, a big source episode. of bias, yeah.
1: A different episode. <laughs> um
0: Yeah, so I just thought it was a really cool paper like how she sort of presented it in that context in the end because she's not saying she's doing exactly what you just said. She's not saying um hey, this is right, and it, you all are wrong. Because that would really be buying into her own biases, you know? She's saying, like, here's an alternative explanation. She uses the word alternative explanation, like, so many times that I, I just really appreciate it. Like, that kind of respect for science and respect for her colleagues and, uh, and kind of for, like, all the analysis that's already gone on in this. And it sounds like there's states. enough evidence to support that, too. Right, which is nice. right. Um, Although... A couple other archaeologists are quoted in one of these news articles, kind of actually like shooting her down. Really? Yeah. Well, not her personally, but... The work? The theory, yeah. What did they say? So this one guy who I see him, I saw him cited like several times in her paper, and then when you go on like the Stonehenge Wikipedia page, there's... This guy's name is kind of all over it. I think he's kind of a leading expert. Mike Parker Pearson. Mm-hmm. And uh, his quote is, this is an interesting way of looking at the lipid results, but it doesn't quite convince... Tallow wouldn't really have been needed to erect them at nearby Stonehenge after the journey was over. If it were used by Neolithic stone haulers, we'd expect tallow to have been employed previously along the route and not at its destination. So he's basically saying, well, you found all this pig fat at Stonehenge and at the village nearby. Mhm. But why would it be there and not like at the quarry or along the way? He's just saying like why would they collect it all at that village there if if it was for lubricant? Yeah.
1: I don't know enough about it to say conclusively, but it's like you got to bring the pottery somewhere at the end.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of like what I thought, too, is like, well, they end up back at the village eventually, you know, and then eventually the construction project was done. Yeah. And then we're just going to leave those pots anywhere else. So,
1: yeah. I mean, if there's anything I learned from our bonus episode looking at the eclipse, you know, is like. The the astronomer Verrier for a long time supported that idea of Vulcan. Oh, yeah. He's an expert. Right. He says there's
0: another planet. Right. New York Times hopped on that. Right. I actually just watched this clip from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. uh Uh-huh. And, like, he's... I don't really watch that show, but I'm vaguely, like, aware of how it kind of works. And, like, Mac, I think, is trying to convince the rest of them why evolution is not true. Uh Uh-huh. And they're like, dude, like... You know, and he like makes this whole case, and he's like, he's like, oh, you believed it because uh, you believe in evolution because all the leading scientists say that it's true, and they say they have all this evidence for it. And he's like, oh, well, uh," he's like, I'm glad you said that. And then he's like, "Uh, Aristotle, he said Earth center of the universe, blah blah blah. And then he's like, and then guess what? Like, he was wrong. He was a bitch. (laughs) And then then he's like, and then comes Galileo, and he says the sun is the center of the universe. You know. And he's like, all these people, smartest person of their time. And they were all wrong. I mean, he's got a point. I know. He's got a great point. Yeah. But, uh, you know, joking aside, it is like a really. And we talk about this all the time on the show. Like, yes, facts support the truth. But also, like, there's this huge thing in science where, like, it's just like a big appeal to authority. Yeah. When if you don't go and dig for yourself, it's very easy to just believe whoever is the highest authority on something. Science doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's still
1: cultural and it follows all these societal regulations that we have, like getting tenure or things like that, that motivate you to do things that like right. aren't necessarily in line. Right. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I like that. I like that ending. I think that's a great way to wrap it up and I'm excited to know more about Stonehenge.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've always known Stonehenge, like the tourist site. Mm-hmm. I've never actually just like gone and read the Wikipedia page for Stonehenge and maybe, like yeah. figured it out, you know,
1: maybe a spot for the first Paperboy's international tour. Mm. We can record an episode at Stonehenge. Just like our ancestors used to do, recording their podcasts.
0: Recording their podcasts that would have been seen as a massive waste of time in their day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even even more so than it is considered today. Well, I'm still on board. But, <laughs> okay. Uh. Well, cool. All
1: right. I guess we have to wrap up with the titles from the popular news headlines. Obviously, you're going to be biased against WND for giving you a virus.
0: WND.com bastards <laughs> <laughs> but uh what did you think of the popular news actually very good like this is one of those papers where i understood all of the words like individually but um she's sort of speaking in a language that is very like familiar to an archaeologist but not to an outsider so like you can go read i actually do recommend people go read this paper i think it's actually open access and uh like it's it's pretty plain english you know it's almost written like an essay more so than like a you know, a hard science, like, research paper, maybe. Nice. So it's a really good read, but I had trouble sort of drawing the right conclusion until then going back to the news articles and being like, oh, okay, that's what they meant when they first said that. I see. Just sort of parsing out, like, the motivation and the answer to that motivation. The Science Alert article, I think, was particularly good on it, just in, like, if you wanted to get, like, the morning coffee kind of read of it. Mm-hmm. atlas obscura does the mystery of stonehenge involve pig fat this one was like really in depth and it was like a really good article and like kind of poking around the atlas obscura website they've got a lot of really good science coverage um, oh cool actually I haven't heard of that yeah they're really good so i go check that one out too yeah mostly just wnd stonehenge mystery finally solved don't that click that one don't click it we won't post that link <laughs> yeah if you are interested though we will post
1: the original paper as well as some of the better links, that Charlie that you've brought in. So check it out. Paperboyspodcast.com where you can find all of the information about our other episodes as well. You can also, check it out on Instagram or Twitter. We'll post links and some new content. So reach out. Let us know what you think.
0: Yeah. And now for the standard ad break, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash paperboyspod. I know I said this at the beginning. It's that important that I have to say it twice. <laughs> um, no, seriously, though, our, the the people who are contributing, first of all, we love you. Thank yeah, you very much. Thank you so much. Second of all, it's been awesome to interact with them. And um, and I just feel like you kind of get a level of engagement with the show through the Patreon that is hard to get just from the regular episodes. So check it out. We've got a really cool bonus episode coming next week. It's going to be tied into the Apollo 50th anniversary, sort of. Ooh. So uh, I'll leave it at that, I guess. Yeah definitely check it out it should be a fun episode yeah patreon.com slash paperboys pod
1: thanks so much for listening please join us again next week for another exciting edition of paperboys thanks for listening